folks, good evening and welcome to Phantoms and Monsters Personal Reports where I narrate, discuss some of the cryptid and unexplained sightings and encounters that are submitted to Phantoms and Monsters. I also detail current and past investigations on occasion, but we are going to do a lot of that tonight. Uh, so thanks for joining me. The uh, Phantoms and Monsters radio channel is made possible by you clicking the subscribe button and by you sharing our programming. Uh, super chat and super thanks donations are appreciated and the buy me a coffee link is also listed below So thanks for your consideration. So tonight. Yeah, we're gonna do a little bit different tonight because it's gonna be mostly stuff I've received recently and a lot of it has to do with the, um, the Chicago Mothman O'Hara Mothman O'Hara Batman or whatever you want to call this thing uh, We got a few new sightings recently uh, that we posted up on the blog and we're actually involved in more witnesses and investigations as well then at the end uh, and I, look do me a favor and save all your questions for the end you can post them during the show but Vincent will save them and I'll answer them at the end uh, but th at the last the last presentation I'm going to make is about my 1988 encounter with a red-eyed winged humanoid which happened here in Pennsylvania with two other individuals. And I'm going to talk about that. I know many of you probably heard this before, but you know, if you have questions about it in particular, just, you know, just go post it on the chat and I'll answer it best I can. So let's start off. Um, a Chicago fireman stationed at O'Hare airport station number three was outside by his vehicle when he encountered a chirping red-eyed bat-winged humanoid standing on top edge of a nearby building. Now, this report was received uh, by the Fams of Monsters Fortune Research Team and uh, sent to investigator Emmanuel Navarrete over, and he posted over UFO Clearinghouse as well. So, uh, this is what he sent to Manuel. I worked for the Chicago Fire Department and have been stationed at O'Hare International Airport for the last seven years. This occurred on Thursday, December 29th, 2022, at about 2,300 hours at O'Hare Station Number 3, which is just past Terminal 2 and next to the HVAC plant that sits across the street. Now, Vincent will be posting some of the... Um, the images I posted from this. Uh, I was in the middle of my shift, and as usual, I would bring my laptop with me to watch movies and play games on it. Now, I was sitting at my uh, laptop when I realized that I had left my charging cord in my pickup. So I got up and ran outside to go and grab it and head back in. Now, as I got my cord, I heard what sounded like a chirping sound followed by what sounded like shuffling coming from nearby. I looked around, and that's when I heard the clicking coming from across the street. I looked up, and standing on the edge of the HVAC plant was a very tall, thin, human-like creature with huge wings that were spread out. The creature was looking directly at me with a pair of large red eyes that had the intensity of a pair of of tail lights or one of the lights on the engine it just stood there and looked at me and made this rapid clicking sound 
And I was in complete shock at what I was seeing and, and just how large this creature was and how enormous its wings were. They had to be close to 15 feet from tip to tip and had to be at least seven feet in height. The body was thin and its limbs were very thin and long. It looked like they were unable to support the tall body, but apparently looks can be deceiving from what I was looking at. We stared at each other for about six to seven seconds before this thing flapped its wings and silently took to the air, and within a few seconds it disappeared. I stood out there for at least a minute before coming to my senses and realized I should get inside. So when I went inside, I told some of my co-workers, Besides the general ribbing, there was also an air of caution, more than usual considering our profession. A few of them spoke up and said that this was not the first time that it had been seen, that it had been seen around the ABC plant a few times by people and around the airport by hundreds of employees, passengers, and pilots. They said it had been seen by a few in the firehouse, but it never stuck around long enough and was more con and uh, was more content with just staring at you and scaring the bejesus out of people. You can't work at O'Hara for any length of time without hearing about the O'Hara Batman. It's practically a legend in and around the airport and people always claim to see it all over the airport. We spent the better part of two hours talking about these sightings and many of my co-workers shared their own experiences. So after Manuel had talked to this individual, he, he put in his, his final notes, I was able to sit down and speak with the witness during the weekend and discovered that this witness is a 10-year veteran of the Chicago Fire Department and has been stationed at O'Hare for at least five years before that was in the military for over 10 years. He has been a lifelong resident of the city of Chicago and has deep family roots within his community. Now, the witness stated that his ship began at any normal ship would and that there was nothing particularly of interest going on during this time. He did state that the weekend before, he had been record-setting low temperatures and winds that caused the airport to basically shut down. Now, the following week brought temperatures that were well above normal in the 60s and low 70s, and the sky was overcast with light drizzle coming down on the night of the sighting. Now, the witness stated that he had brought his laptop as usual so that he could catch up on a movie that he had been watching and that he was setting up his laptop when he remembered he forgot his charger that was in his truck. Now, he stated that he went outside and retrieved his charger from his vehicle and was on his way back inside when he heard a series of clicks and had an overwhelming feeling of being watched. Uh, he stated that he heard what sounded like shuffling. That reminded him of one of his children dragging their feet along. He started looking around, and that is when he looked to the top of the building next door that houses the heating and cooling plant for the airport. Now, he stated that he saw a tall, thin person standing on the edge, and that person was looking directly at him with eyes that glowed brilliant red. He stated that the entity was looking directly at him and made no motion why they had eye contact. Now, when asked if he felt anything while staring at this entity, he stated other than the obvious shock, he did not feel any feeling of dread or impending doom. 
When asked to describe the person or entity that was staring back at him, he stated that it was thin and at least seven feet tall and had a pair of wings that were extended from its back. He stated that the wings must have been at least 50 feet in width. 50, I think it was 15 feet in width and uh, looked thin and membrane. He stated that the entity had arms and legs that were very thin and abnormally long and that the entire entity was a shade of black that was so black that it stood out against the night sky. He stated that no obvious features were recognizable other than the two eyes that were brilliant red. He stated that the entity then uh, that the entity then began to slowly flap its wings and took off by jumping off the building and flying away into the night in a southerly direction. When asked if it disappeared in the night, he stated that it was visible because of the because um, the black stood out against the gray sky that was backlit by all the lights at the airport for a few seconds before it was out of sight. Now the witness states that he stood there almost transfixed for upward to a minute before he decided that it was prudent for him to get back inside and tell somebody what he had seen. Now once inside, the witness stated that he told his co-workers about what he had seen and even went into the detail as to the description of the entity. Now he stated that besides the usual ribbing that he used, uh, that he got from his co-workers, there was a palpable air of disbelief among those in the firehouse. The witness stated that he was told by his co-workers that the entity is dubbed the O'Hare Batman by some of the air, some of the people at the airport, and it had been seen by members of the firehouse multiple times. The entity seems to have liked perching itself on the HVAC building and observing the comings and goings of the firehouse and startling the members who worked there. Now, the witness stated that he was told multiple stories by co-workers of sightings and encounters with this winged entity. I documented all of them and had my contact information to, to the witness to pass along to his co-workers in hopes that they will come forward. I will detail these other sightings in another report to be published soon. And he has contacted a few of these, these other firemen. Um, there has been interest generated from, again, by the press in, in uh, Chicago. Uh, I talked to two individuals today or to the newspapers, and uh, actually they want to listen to this uh, and see this uh, the video tonight, so that will be sent to them as well. So, uh, yeah, this is a pretty important sighting. Uh, it's always good to get individuals who work at O'Hare to come forward. Now, of course, when this happens, we normally have a pushback by the powers that be at the airport, and, of course, these being city employees are probably going to be pushed back as well because, frankly, the, the city of Chicago and the mayor's office have not been very kind to us as far as actually helping us out, which, you know, is, is par for the course. So anyway, that sh we'll see what happens. We'll see what else we get out of this. So um, save your questions. You can go ahead and post them, but, but Vincent will hold on to them, and I'll answer them at the end of the show. So also we had another sighting. A, a couple weeks earlier that uh, a little village woman and her father had just left a grocery store and crossed the street when they observed a red-eyed bat-winged humanoid looking directly at them. They fled in terror. Now, this report was also uh, 
sent to Manuel, who had posted on UFO Clearinghouse. Um, the witness states, my father and I had just left the La Berbuya grocery store and were crossing 32, 32nd to go toward my car when we heard what sounded like a baby crying. We thought it was maybe one of the neighbor's babies, but then my father said, Mira Mia, and I was and was pointing towards the house across the street. I looked and saw a thin black figure perched on the brick fence post and looking directly at us. This thing was dark, dark black. It looked like it was absorbing the light around it. It was very easy to make out the body, the wings, and the long pointed tail that it swished around much like a cat does when it is interested in something. Now, let me note, this tail, that's something new. We have not had any uh, sightings that included a tail. So, you know, I, I'm sure, and you know, you've heard me before, I believe we're dealing with a multiple entities here. So uh, the eyes were the most striking feature as they were glowing bright red and were locked directly on my father and me. I was frozen in fear, and the only thing going through my mind was how to defend my elderly father if this thing decided to attack us. I could care less about myself, but my father is 70 years old and not able to move or defend himself if he were attacked. I could hear my father praying and asking La Virgen de Guadalupe for protection and to send this thing away. I managed to tell my father that we needed to get to the car as quickly as possible so we could be safe. I pressed the button to the remote and the horn chirped as the uh, alarm was deactivated and the, cars on, the doors unlocked. At the sound of the horn chirping, this thing opened its wings, stood up on the fence post, and chirped back at us. It took off and hovered for a few seconds, its wings flapping and making a light whooshing sound. My father and I dove into the relatively safety, relative safety of the car as thing, the thing flew away and was gone from our sight. Now, this thing was maybe three to four feet tall and thin, but its wings were large and maybe 10 feet when spread out. They looked a lot like bat wings. No feathers were visible. It was jet black. We drove straight home. My father told my mother and my sister about our encounter with this thing and what had happened. My mother said it was probably a bruja disguised as a Lacusa, and that we were lucky we were not attacked. Either way, she refused to let anyone out of the house for the rest of the night. Now, I will note, the chirping sounds of something that had been coming up in the past year. Um, I don't think we've had any chirping sounds of anything on the airport grounds, but areas around the airport, uh, particularly... Uh, in, in the suburb, just, just outside the airport, we have heard chirping sounds and clicking sounds from the witnesses. So, of course, I believe now this with the tail, I think we're, we're getting into another series of uh, these entities. Uh, and that this thing was three to four foot in height and with a tail, it may have been a juvenile. So, uh, I don't know. Well, anyway, uh, Manuel states the encounter happened on October 25th. 2022 in Little Village, Chicago, about 8 p.m. I spoke with both witnesses, and the father was quite reluctant to discuss the matter for fear of invoking the entity and bringing it back to attack him, which is something we hear about a lot. 
the father spoke mostly through the daughter, and I assure him that I understood if he was hesitant to speak regarding the incident. The daughter retold her story and said that they had gone to the neighborhood grocery store to get a few grocery items, and they were leaving the store and walking toward her car when the incident occurred. Now, when asked about the creature, she said it was small and thin, but that the wings were very noticeable as it sat on the fence post. She said that it had a long pointed tail that it moved as it observed him. And the witness said it reminded her of a, of a cat and how it moved its tail when interested or observing something. She described the eyes as very large and glowing, a bright red, but the face lacked any visible features except for the eyes. She noted that he observed it that they had observed it remained in complete darkness, almost as if it was observing the surrounding light itself in order to remain invisible. She noted that there was a street light right in front of its position. Even that failed to illuminate the creature. As she stated when it took off, it was, it was thin and that it hovered in place while looking at them and making a sound that sounded like a cross between a baby crying and a cat hissing, but much, much louder. The uh, witness stated that she and her father drove into the dove into the car and that this entity flew north and was quickly out of sight. Now, this sighting is one of several that have been reported in the past out of Little Village in Chicago, and this entity so far has been the smallest one reported by a witness. It is also not the first entity to be reported as a Lacusa, which which lends to the very very heavy Hispanic population that makes up the Little Village neighborhood. This uh, sighting report was forwarded to FAMS Monsters 14 Research for further investigation. Now, this is the 10th reported sighting in uh, the Little Village community. Uh, you know, I had stated earlier and I had posted that a large percentage of our sightings throughout the city, not necessarily in uh, Little Village, have been by Hispanic witnesses, which is a, an interesting note. Um, many of them call them lacusas or some type of bruja or witch or something to do with the occult. Uh, so, um, again, we're, you know, we're dealing with some pretty recent sightings and it looks like we're getting some changes. We're getting different entities. So, um, of course we're going to follow up on this and we'll see what goes on in the, uh, in the airport as well. So. I also received some other <clears throat> sightings and reports from the, in the, in re, the recent past. Um, I got this one from a, a Memphis, Tennessee police officer. He recalled his bizarre encounter with a lizard humanoid while on special assignment in the late 1980s. Uh, it's pretty interesting and quite detailed. Now this this incident occurred. Now this is what he writes. This incident occurred in Memphis, Tennessee. I started my career as a Memphis police officer a few years previous to the 1980s. I was on a special assignment at the time. It was 2 a.m. and it was a clear summer night, but quite humid. I was in my personal vehicle with the top down, the radio playing. I was still in my uniform, including my bulletproof vest and a gun belt with all the regular equipment attached to it. Now, I was heading south on Covington Pike at a good rate of speed 
and was the only one on the road. This part of the road connects the Raleigh Bartlett area in Berkclair area in the Berkclair on the to the Berkclair area, excuse me. The road is slightly elevated as the surrounding area is low and running through is the Wolf River, which is a few miles from here. It connects to the Mississippi. Uh, this area is commonly referred to by the locals as Wolf River Bottoms. As I was driving in my peripheral vision over to my right, just outside the headlight beams, I noticed something was moving fast directly toward the front of the car. I immediately slammed on the brakes, thinking that a deer was running across the road. But I couldn't have been more wrong. It, it came to a screeching halt right in the middle of the road, right in front of the headlights, not more than seven feet from my bumper, as we both froze in place, staring at each other for several seconds. It appeared to be three to four feet in tall, but it was also crouched. <clears throat> it could have been closer to five if it stood straight up, but I got the impression that its current body posture was its normal way of standing. It had a large head, at least compared to its skinny, slender body. It appeared to be dark gray and greenish in color, like the color of an alligator, but the appearance of a skin looked similar to that of a human's. It had dark, large oval eyes on each side of the upper part of its face, running slanted from the top portion of its head to almost the midsection of the head. It was kind of pointing, it was kind of pointing inward to where you would expect to be a nose. However, from what I could tell, there was no distinct nose. At least none like a human, anyway. Uh, below the eyes was a very thin, dark, almost black line that I assumed was its mouth. It ran from about the same position to a human's mouth would be. However, the line ran straight across the lower face in front and then turned upward and slightly back on the head. It had no ears that I could see. Its body and chest area were rounded like a human, but vastly smaller, almost like a child's. Its arms appeared to be longer and somewhat disproportionate to uh, its body, and they were skinny and had an insect-type look to them. I could have made out—I could make out hands, but they were also completely folded at the wrist joint. The legs were long because even with this thing's shortness, I could make out the top of them, even if it was with it being so close to the bumper, which is obscuring the bottom half somewhat. Uh, they were like the arms, thin and insect-like, but appeared to be jointed. Now, I did notice its chest area moving slightly like it was breathing, but it, it seemed slow and steady. I never noticed anything like genitalia. Uh, there was no hair anyplace that I could see. And I'm not even sure if it was wearing any type of clothing. It, it was... If it was, it had to be in skin tight, and I never noticed a tail at any point. Now, my adrenaline was pumping, and it was only a brief period of observation. It again took off like a shot, and it was out of my headlights. I could still make out its outline in the darkness, and it was moving like a sprinter. It leaped over the guardrail onto the other side of the road and down the embankment. I will admit that this was not the only bizarre incident that I had during my career, but it definitely was the strangest. I never told anyone on the force about the encounter. In fact, I only mentioned it to a close friend during these many years. I can only identify as a lizard man or an unknown humanoid, and I would never believed it unless I actually witnessed it. So, um, 
That's an interesting story. The, you know, it was um, it was actually forwarded to me by another Memphis by a Memphis associate who's an investigator. It was told to him. So uh, I found that quite interesting. We don't get a whole lot of these lizard man or type humanoid sightings, but I thought that was quite interesting. Now, here's something else that we have gotten recently, and um, I don't know what to make of this, but we did get another sighting that followed this initial sighting, even though it was the earlier one was somewhat older. Uh, a San Bernardino County, California realtor recounts an incident that he, when he hit a cryptid canine with his car, 26 years later, he encounters a similar beast in his residential neighborhood. Now, I recently received this account from him. I tucked this away and never told anyone before. We live in Southern California, east of L.A., and this incident occurred in 1996. My wife and I were leaving home early that morning. It was still dark. And as we were trying to get onto the major highway near our home, when we hit something coming out of a residential construction area, it ran extremely fast in front of the car. I had no time to stop, so I hit this thing. I came to a stop as soon as possible. I told my wife I was going to get out and, and look at what I hit. She begged me not to get out. I was sure that I hit a dog. I stepped out, and as I rounded the car, the headlights of my car shone upon something that I'd never seen before. It was disturbing. I backed up a little bit and I realized what I had hit wasn't a dog. I have owned and trained large dogs for most of my life, but nothing compared to the size of this thing. Nothing about it resembled what I would say was a domesticated canine. Everything about it was wild and bulky. It had what looked like a lion's mane. It had teeth that looked like it came out of a Hollywood horror movie. I can't even describe, begin to describe the fright I had seeing this thing. I backed up a bit more. I could see its teeth were unusually big and sharp, and there was a pool of blood forming underneath its mouth. Its eyes were open, but it wasn't moving. I could see the bright amber eye color. My wife stepped out of the car and asked what it was. I said, I don't know. We got in, and I backed up and drove around it. I said it was still there. I said if it's still there and when we get back home, I'll take a closer look. So later that day, when we got back, it was gone. A dried pool of blood was the only evidence that remained. To this day, we kept quiet about the incident. So 26 years later, I now feel, felt compelled to come forward, not because I feel guilty about the experience, but because I had another unexplained sighting. Now, we live in the same home as we did when the previous incident occurred. One evening, I was a few blocks away from my house going through a house that I was getting ready to sell. I'm a realtor and own a real estate business. When I was finished, I exited the front door of the house, walked to my car that was parked in the driveway, and got in. As I backed up into the street, I observed a large, upright beast cross behind me. I immediately stopped and looked out the passenger window. This creature was running on two legs in between the house and the neighbor's property. I sat in the car dumbfounded by what I just witnessed. Then I had a flashback of the incident in 1996. 
I quickly realized that this was either the same creature or something very similar. What was that was the last time I saw this creature. But now I realize that there's an unknown upright canine like beast living in the area. Thinking back to the latest encounter, I estimate that it easily stood eight foot in height and had a very human like gait when it was running. I read your post about dogmen and upright canines, and I believe that's what I witnessed on both occasions. If I see it again, I will inform you. Now, I did talk to the witness by telephone, and he's reluctant to give me his exact location currently, only telling me that he lives in San Bernardino County. San Bernardino County. Uh, now, I'm sure if he has another encounter, he'll be contacting me quite fearful about this upright canine room in the neighborhood. So a few days later, after I posted that account, a San Bernardino, California resident recalls a sighting of a cryptic canine in the area near his home. Now this is a follow-up to the recent post. It also mentioned the conversation that he had with a Serrano native. Uh, and, you know, of course, this was the report in response to the upright dogman twice encountered by the San Bernardino County Realtor. Now, he states to me, I just read about the realtor who saw the werewolf in San Bernardino County, California. I saw a dogman in the North Vermont area of DeVore, California in 1998. I grew up there and I personally know others who have seen the same creature in the same general area. It's not a hoax. Anyone who lived in that area for a long time could tell you that either that they either experienced or heard stories of strange things roaming around the wilderness. At that time, it was very, still very rural and undeveloped. Now, I had a conversation with a native man from the San Manuel Tribal Band of Mission Indians, which are Serrano peoples. He told me that he believed it may have been a medicine man from his tribe and that we were lucky to to have seen the creature as many other people have only ever heard stories and never seen it for themselves. I said I was 13 or 14 years old at the time. That night, my band had played a Battle of the Band show at the Showcase Theater in Corona. When we came home from the show, I went to the side of the house near a shed to relieve myself and smoke a cigarette that I had stashed. I looked out into the field and gazed upon the trees and a familiar scenery that I've known all my life. I know the landscape perfectly, but one thing that was out of place, and at first I could tell what it was I was seeing. What I saw was what appeared at first to be a man walking, then running through the field on the side of my parents' house in the early a.m. hours, maybe 1 or 2 a.m. This was extremely out of the ordinary for the time and place, and no one would ever be out there. Its movements didn't look normal. Its legs were funny. Then I noticed that it had a head of a dog, like a coyote or a German shepherd. Uh, it was heading north towards the mountains with the strangest movements. I can't describe it. It just didn't look natural. Eventually, it was out of my view. I can't remember if I heard any sound from it running. It was far enough away that I don't recall how it sounded. I just can't forget how strange it looked while I was running or galloping. Not sure there's a word to describe its movements. 
Well, that's my story exactly how it happened. So I absolutely believe the realtor. Now, our team is, is following up on this. Um, you know, the native Serrano theory is, is intriguing. And I, I have put feelers out to the tribe in order to find out more. You know, I'm just wondering, it was like, you know, the skinwalker in, in the native Navajo tradition. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what kind of uh, feedback I get on this. So um, that's the last reading, you know, uh, account I'm reading. But I am going to talk about what I had encountered myself back in 1998 at Camp Conewago, Pennsylvania, which is actually about 12 miles north of me. It's just north of New Oxford, Pennsylvania. I live in Conewago Township myself, where I live in the borough of Macherystown, but Conewago Township is all around us. So um, anyway, I... Uh, it was 1998. It was the fall of 1998. I was living in Baltimore at the time. And I had, um, I had, you know, I used to be an antique collector. And I used to go to a lot of the shows, local shows. And it was at Timonium Fairground. And they had a few things going on that day. And um, there was also in one of the other buildings a Boy Scout jamboree or something going on. So I went over there. And by by happenstance, I ran across a guy I, I went to school with and was in Boy Scouts with together. He was at the time was a, a, a scoutmaster uh, for a troop up here in Pennsylvania. So, um, you know, we had seen each other for almost, God, I guess about 12 years. So we were catching up and uh, we started talking and uh, he knew I was involved with the paranormal because actually he used to sneak onto the Gettysburg battlefield with me at night and we used to camp out and he'd seen a few things with me. So he was aware of everything I had been involved with. So anyway, so this is 1988. This is uh, several years ago, many years ago. So, he, you know, knowing what I did, he mentioned to me, he said, you know, I know you're into the paranormal, a lot of weird stuff. I, I, there's something going on at Camp Conewago. Now, this is a this is a camp that I used to go to a lot when I was a kid because I knew the place, you know, intimately. He said, what's been going on is a lot of the, uh, I mean, you know, during the summer and during the fall, a lot of the, the, uh, the local troops had been camping out in the woods and they were leaving early because they were hearing screaming sounds and it was scaring the kids. So he and another guy wanted to go up there to investigate and try to find out what was going on, what people were seeing or not seeing, but hearing. So he asked me, he said, look, we're going up next weekend. Do you want to tag along? I said, sure. So I, you know, this, you know, this was a time when I didn't mind camping out and laying on the ground. I couldn't do it now because I'd never get up. But, you know, back then I could do it. But anyway, I met them up there the next weekend. It was a Friday night. It was in mid-October, late October. And uh, we got there, hiked into the woods, and we set up camp. 
And uh, by the time we get everything set up, had a fire going and sitting around the fire, I guess it was about six or seven o'clock in the evening. So we just sat around there talking. Nothing happened that night. So uh, we each had a tent. So we were, you know, we packed it in that night. We, uh, we slept and next morning we woke up. Nothing had happened. But the other guy who was with us mentioned, did you guys hear or see anything walking through the campsite that night? And I did. I heard something walking through. I thought it was one of them going out in the woods and relieving themselves, but I didn't know what it was. So I didn't, you know, nothing at the campsite was disturbed. So we didn't really think much about it. We thought maybe it's a deer or something coming in there. A lot of wildlife around there anyway. Anyway, so that Saturday we we spent in the woods. And uh, it's, a, it's a large wooded area and uh we were probably gone at least six hours i mean i don't know how far we hiked but it had to have been 15 miles or more that day so uh we got back i guess about six in the evening it was just starting to get dark or was dark it was getting dark uh we got the fire going again and um we just sat around talking football and whatever else came to our mind so as we were sitting there, and I don't know what time it was, but it was late. I got 10, 30, 11 o'clock. We heard this screaming sound. Now, it came from deep in the woods. Uh, but it wasn't really that terrifying. I, it, it, I thought it could have either been an animal. Uh, you know, a lot of animals make a lot of weird sounds. So... Um, we weren't sure what it was, so we just kind of ignored it and just sat around there. But we decided that, you know, you know we're going to stick around and not go to bed for a while. So I um, I guess we sat there about another half hour or so, but then we heard another scream. Now, this time, it's pretty blood-curdling. It actually sounded like a woman or a child screaming, and it was kind of moving in and out like this thing was moving through the woods or flying or whatever. And uh, then we decided well, we're staying up the whole night because if this thing was going to show itself, we wanted to we wanted to see it. Well, anyway, so we were sitting around the fire. I guess around one o'clock or so, I got up to stretch my legs, and uh, I walked out. Now that we had the campsite, and there was a trail right beside the campsite, and on the other side of the trail, it was, it was right along the Conewago Creek. So I walked out onto the trail, and I was standing there, and you know, you get that feeling like you know, something just isn't right. So I, I walked back, and I told him, I said, "Look, let's get our flashlights and go out on the trail a bit and see what we can find anything." So we did. We got our flashlights, and in a line, we walked up the narrow trail. And we didn't get the 50 foot away from the from the campsite when we all saw these red eyes in the middle of the creek. Now, this dark figure was standing in the creek, and at th this point, time of year, the creek was really low. <clears throat> but it was standing there, and these red eyes were looking in our direction and they weren't like lights. They were like emitting light. It was weird. And by the time we got our flashlights on this thing, it suddenly jettisoned into the air. 
And when it reached an apex, it let out a terrible scream and took off into the western direction. And we could hear it going away. Uh, well, you know, that was pretty harrowing. And we were running back. And uh, we got to the campsite, sat at the, at the, <laughs> at the fire. My friend was not speaking at all. He looked, he was white as a ghost. The other guy mentioned to me, he said, look, did you see anything on its back? And I did. It looked like it had structures on the back. And I figured, well, maybe it had wings. I don't know, but it was, they were high structures. They were stick protruding out of the back and above the head. But these wings never, never unfurled when it took off. It was like this thing shot out of a rocket. I mean, like a rocket or out of a cannon and straight up into the air. It actually let the, you heard a whooshing sound when it took off. So um, we were talking about it. My buddy isn't talking, so I tried to get him to talk. He wouldn't say anything. But then he said, look, I'm not sticking around here tonight. I'm going up the administration building to spend the night. So he and the other guy, they both walked up to the administration building. I stood at the campsite. I wanted to see what the hell this thing was. Um, but nothing happened. I mean, the rest of the night was pretty quiet. And, you know, the next morning they came back down to the campsite and we packed up and headed out of there. Now, I, I had told a few people about this story at the time, about this encounter. Uh, I, I, you know, I wasn't writing the blog back then. I, I had a few investigators, local investigators I told about it, <clears throat> but I didn't really put it out there. Now, 16, 15 years later, well, not even that long. Yeah, it was that long. When I started the blog, I actually wrote about it. I think it was 2008 when I actually posted it. And not long after I posted, I got a an email from a um, from a a troop leader who contacted me and told me, "Look, my my troop was up at Camp Conewago several weeks ago, and uh, while we were there, the boys would go out onto the trail during the daytime, and one day they came running back." screaming and carrying on and told me they saw what they called a dragon standing on the trail. He said they were pretty upset, but he, he said he thought they were pulling his leg. He didn't, he didn't believe him, you know? So, um, he said they worked, they did seem concerned. They stayed the rest of the weekend, but they, you know, they were talking about it. And so when he read my account, that's when he contacted me. So he said, and he did tell me he kind of felt bad because now he believes they actually saw something. And apparently from where they saw this thing on the trail was pretty close to where I we were set up camp in the encounter, had the encounter. So not long after that, I got another email from a gentleman that, who lived near Dick's Dam, which is upstream from there, who told me that um, he had been hearing that screaming sound for the past 20 years. I had no idea what it was, but that he did hear it. And uh, so, so over the years, and I think the last sighting report I got was about four or five years ago, but uh, along the, the, the Conewago Creek, which is, it it's actually runs west then east again, 
Uh, it empties into the Susquehanna River. So along its length, which is about 18, 20 miles, I have gotten or received five reports of encounters with this or sightings of this this uh, winged entity. So, um, you know, I don't know what this thing is. Uh, not far from where the Conewago Creek empties into the Susquehanna, just south of there, the Cadoris Creek enters into the Susquehanna. And Timothy Renner has a um, has a investigation area there, a research area. And he's seen a lot of strange and heard a lot of strange things there as well. And not, not too much long after we had talked about it, I received a uh, report of another winged humanoid from this woman and her mother where this thing was standing behind their car one night. And uh, that was very near to where the kind of the Cadoris Creek actually ended and emptied into the Susquehanna River. So, look, this area where I live at, the South Central Pennsylvania area, uh, York and Adams County, we have, been, have had numerous sightings of winged humanoids. Now, it's interesting that I had that encounter back then. And, of course, when all this stuff started going on in Chicago, I mean, is there a connection? I mean, is there a connection to what I have seen, to what is being reported in Chicago area? And why is why am I and the team getting these sightings as opposed to other people who it just doesn't seem that there's many people getting reports from individuals. So that's something you got to consider. It's something we are considering. So anyway, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and take your questions here and see if I can answer them. Uh, William Nighthawk chimed in said he's listening while he's getting ready for his podcast. Well, I appreciate that, William. Uh, Karen Peterson asks, is a clicking sound associated with other sightings? I wonder if they use echolocation. You know, that's something we have thought about. Now, the clicking and chirping sounds hadn't been mentioned for the first several years. And in fact, the first sighting where it was actually mentioned was a sighting last year in Bensonville, which Bensonville is just southeast, southwest of O'Hara, uh, not far from the cargo area where we've gotten a lot of sightings. And I think we have had nine sightings in the Bensonville area, and many of those included the chirping sound. So who knows what it is? Uh, Vincent wants to know, do you think... These are reptilian, that these reptilian human, do you, what do you think these reptilian humanoids are? I don't know. You know, you know, every once in a while we get a sighting of something like that. Is this some type of unknown creature that is mistaken for a humanoid or I don't think so. But I mean, I think people are seeing something. Of course, we had the scape or lizard man, or we've had numerous people investigate that. And look, there's if there's if you want to, um, there was a book written by Lyle Blackburn about the lizard man in South Carolina. You may want to read that. I, I think it's one of the better books on it. It is one of the better books on, it, in my opinion. So uh, yeah, I would get that. 
Vincent Richardson, do you first think Bigfoot when you hear that screams? Not necessarily. I wasn't even thinking about Bigfoot. I didn't. I don't know what it was. Um, could have been sure. We've had Bigfoot sightings around this area, but uh, I don't think I was thinking Bigfoot. It just didn't sound similar to some of the, the screams I had heard in the past. It was too shrill. Um, it sounded really human too. So I don't know. Maybe I will. I don't know what I was thinking at the time. Uh, do you think your sightings relate to the unseen ones of the Chicago flat? Yeah, I think there's some connection somewhere. Um, it, it's, it's like I said, it's kind of interesting that we have gotten these reports long after I reported this incident with me. Um, I do believe in synchronicity to some degree. Uh, is that why we got the reports? Possibly. Was it the unseen ones? I, I believe that's very possible. Are we getting another... I mean, another group of these individuals showing up more recently? Possibly. <sighs> How big do you think it was? I don't know. Which, are you talking about my encounter? I don't know. I, I think it was about six foot in height, something like that. Do you think these flying humanoids are coming from portals or do you think they're always been here, always here or here always? I, I think for the most part, I think they're interdimensional, ultra terrestrial. You know, I, I don't know if I necessarily believe that from the beginning uh, because of what's been going on in Chicago. And that's also been my thoughts in relation to like the, um, the Mothman of Point Pleasant. I think that was a summoned being. I think it was interdimensional. Um, I don't know how much relationship there is between that and what's been going on in Chicago, but I believe they're interdimensional beings to some degree. I think they're coming from a, a linear dimension. Uh, the contact with the unseen ones kind of lends to that theory, but, you know, you never know. I mean, um, you just don't know. I mean, and, and we're going to get need to get more evidence. Now, of course, these sightings that we've received recently are pretty profound sightings. So um, hopefully something will come of it. We, you know, there have been some changes. There is some difference between these and the earlier ones. So we'll see. This goes Stu BC. I appreciate your hard work. Do you have any thoughts on the stories on the strange staircases found in deep woods? Yeah, I've heard a few of those um, from uh, search and rescue people. Uh, there have been a few floating around over the years, um, mostly up in Northern California. I don't know what to think of that. Um, who knows? Pretty strange, though. Um, so we'll see. I mean, maybe I'll get something in the in in the future. I have written about a few of them, but it is uh, pretty interesting. Mandy Butler, Lon, did you sense evil or smell sulfur or foul smell? With my encounter, I didn't smell a thing. No, I didn't. Though some of the sightings in Chicago, uh, especially the ones that started around the airport back in October of 2019 and one other one there was a there was an odor of ammonia that the witnesses noticed 
Real truth, do you believe that the curtain is thinning where more people are seeing paranormal happenings? Well, I, I, I think, I don't know if you want to call it the veil or thin or whatever is, is, is thinning. I think there are other entities moving in and out between one dimension and our earth plane. I don't know if it's many, any more now than what it had been before, but people are taking notice now. Um, are they making themselves more known than before? Possibly. You know, these sightings in Chicago, I mean, they seem to want to show themselves for whatever reason. So, um, you know, but is the, the veil thinning? Sure, could very well be. But, you know, I've been saying that for over a decade now. So, you know, some of the sightings and some of the reports we get are pretty interesting. Uh, very unexplained. Who knows what's going on? Uh, we try to get the best answers we can. And of course, that's why we keep investigating this stuff. But, uh, that's the most, I, that's the best I can tell you at this point. So, uh, folks, you got any more questions? And real truth, thanks for uh, for the donation. Very much appreciated. Okay, well, I, I appreciate you all coming in here. Now, if you had an unexplained encounter or sighting, feel free to contact me through the Families of Monsters blog site. And uh, for you, for those who... Uh, made a donation it's very much appreciated your support is what makes all this possible Let's see here now, jose sanchez are these creatures similar in color to dog man and or like the bigfoot i don't know uh, i don't think so it doesn't seem that way uh there seems to be some distinct changes or differences there I see my buddy Travis Scott Short is in there. I appreciate you coming in, Travis. So uh, now again, if uh, you know, thanks to each and all of you for watching and chatting. You know, we've got a pretty diverse group, great group that comes in here every show, and uh, I, I get comments from people who come into the chat for the first time, and they appreciate the way people behave and treat others that come in here so again I, I thank everybody who's in the chat for what you do and uh, you know to anybody on the chat or even listening please like subscribe and share our content so later tonight at 11 p.m. Eastern 10 p.m. Central Vincent Richardson's V show he'll be discussing alien frequency the secret of sound resonance resonance with his guest, Brian Bowden. And this Friday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, uh, paranormal investigator, intuitive, and author, Richard Michelle will join me. As well, at 11 o'clock on Friday night, Bernadette McDaniel's show, A Paranormal Life, uh, her and her guest will be talking about alien contact it should be quite interesting so until we see each other again and to stay healthy have a safe enjoyable week good night